You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com slash Therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com slash Therapy30. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. This is going to be a solo pod this week. My boy Joe is on vacation. If you don't know who Joe is, he's the fantasy football analyst, fantasy.football.analyst over on Instagram. Uh, go check out his page. Um, today, we're going to talk wide receivers. We didn't update our wide receiver rankings for about two months. Uh, free agency, the draft, a lot has changed since then. So we want to go over uh, all of our updates uh, where we have these rookies uh, within these ranks, but you know, we're mostly talking redraft. We're mostly talking 2021 uh, and what these wide receivers might look like uh, going into this season. Um, also, want to talk some values as well, uh, guys. You know, going eighth, ninth, tenth later in the draft, who I think might be some decent bets at upside later in drafts. That's really what I'm going for. Um, but the initial wide receiver episode was a couple months ago. You can go check that out. That is where we really went in depth uh, into these wide receivers. Uh, talked about most of their situations. Uh, this is more of an update episode, but it'll give you, uh, you know, an updated idea of how I'm looking at these these receivers uh, going into this season. Um, so let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, you know, one, two, and three, I have Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, not a huge surprise here. These, you know, they, all three of these guys finished at the top. Uh, you know, hit them and, and Calvin really, DeAndre Hopkins. These guys finished up at the top, um, you know, of the, of, of the wide receiver finishes at the end of last year. Um, but going into this season, those are my th- three top guys, Adams, Hill, and Diggs. Um, now, I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. I'm going to make that assumption right now. The more the time passes, the more it seems like there is going to be a possibility of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers working things out. Um, Tyreek Hill. Uh, not much has changed in uh, in Kansas City in terms of, you know, new pass catchers. Uh, you know, they lost Sammy Watkins. So, you know, there isn't any reason to believe that Tyreek Hill isn't going to be able to do his thing and continue to do it. Um, obviously last season was amazing. He was consistent and he showed the upside. Uh, can, can that be be repeated? Probably not, but you know, something close to it. Um, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, you know, he could, he could do something very similar. Uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, they lost John Brown. Um, his target share is, is pretty much locked in. You know what I mean? It's, it's him and Cole Beasley for the most part. Um, and Josh Allen is going to use his legs. So, 
Uh, I, I love Diggs going into next season. The fact that he was able to make such a big impact uh, in such a big way in his first year with a new team. And, you know, Josh Allen on top of that making, you know, a tremendous uh, a tremendous turnaround in terms of his career and, and how accurate he was able to become, um, you know, coming from that really inaccurate 2019 campaign. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving days going into next season for obvious reasons. There's no surprises here. Um, now, Calvin Ridley, uh, I have him at number four. Um, I, I do think Julio is as good as gone. Uh, you know, it's, it's likely going to be Calvin, Rid- Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts. You know, th- if, if Julio leaves, it kind of guarantees Ridley to maintain his target share uh, at a minimum. So um, the way that, you know, I'm viewing him if Julio leaves is like, you know, he's basically guaranteed what he was able to do last year. Uh, and his target volume might go up just a little bit. Uh, it's very possible, you know what I mean? And Kyle Pitts is somebody who is not going to necessarily uh, get 10, 11 targets a game. Um, but even though he's a rookie tight end, he's a special player. So, you know, I'm not, I know rookie tight ends really don't, usually don't do their thing going into their rookie year. But I think Kyle Pitts is a different animal. We've seen wide receivers uh, kill it, you know, in their rookie season recently. And I don't think this is, uh, this relates more. Uh, towards that situation it's more of a wide receiver situation than a tight end situation when we're talking Kyle Pitts um so you know Calvin really he killed it last year regardless with Julio in the lineup without Julio in the lineup it didn't really make a difference so uh I'm in on Calvin really next next, you know next season uh his separation skills are, are are amazing him and uh um him and uh (laughs) <laughs> Matt Ryan are, you know, they have a huge rapport. So I'm, I'm excited for really going into next season. Uh, even if Julio does stay, I, I do think that Ridley is going to get his, you know, eight plus targets a game. And, you know, as soon as he, you know, whenever he received eight targets uh, in any given game, he, he got it done as a wide receiver one. So um, I'm in on Ridley again as, as a top four wide receiver. Um now, A.J. Brown is somebody I moved up. If you listen to the last episode, uh, he was around 9 for me. Now, this was assuming that the Titans were going to address that situation there, you know, with A.J. Brown being the only guy. Um, but now, like, they didn't address it. This dude might get 170 targets this year. Uh, I mean, the Titans are a potential landing spot for Julio, but these guys lost Corey Davis, they lost Adam Humphreys, they lost John Smith. And, and you can like Anthony Ferkser all you want. Uh, but but nobody is commanding targets on this offense the way AJ Brown will. Uh, the plan is basically going to be to run the ball with Derrick Henry, throw it to AJ. That's the game plan. Double teams or not, the name of the game for fantasy is volume. You know what I mean? So there's no double teams that's going to prevent AJ Brown from doing his thing from a fantasy perspective when we're talking about you know a full season. Now one thing I do like about AJ is that he he fits the bill from a metric perspective as well. And, and you you heard me talk about this before that he was top two in yards per route run over the past two seasons, and that included his rookie year. That is a very good indicator for future success. And, and, and obviously the eye test, right? We've seen him play. Uh, limited targets uh, on a run-heavy offense, but still a wide receiver one. So, uh, you know, him at five, for some people, might be conservative. <laughs> some people have him as like a top three receiver. Some people have him as a number two receiver, number one receiver. Going into this season, they want to be bold. I get it. Um, but, you know, he. this is kind of where I feel comfortable. Um, you know, and the next guy I have at, at number six, DK Metcalf, 
you know, we saw a glimpse of what the ceiling for Metcalf can look like in the first half of last season. But I do think with the OC change, you know, getting rid of Brian Schottenheimer, I think we can get a little bit more consistency. Um, you know, this offense needed creativity in the pass game. You know, we saw over the past few, several seasons with Brian Schottenheimer that this offense would just turn into like a a, a pumpkin towards the end of the year. Um, and I think bringing in a in an offensive disciple of Sean McVay, I, I think it can do just that, like as far as bringing in some creativity. So uh, Metcalf is someone who can easily, easily finish as the overall wide receiver one uh, with one of the most efficient passers in the league. Um, and it's possible we finally see an uptick in volume overall in that passing offense. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, listen, Russell Wilson was involved in the offensive coordinator decision. Um, so, you know, he, he, he must have cho- chose somebody. He must have liked something. So if he's happy, I'm happy. Okay, uh, I got DeAndre Hopkins at 7. Um, obviously, he finished higher than 7 last year. Um, I know the targets are going to be there. Um, I, I just wish they used him better. So basically, I moved A.J. Brown up. I moved DeAndre Hopkins down. Um, not because I don't think Hop- Hopkins is going to do his thing, but I, I, you know, he wasn't. He didn't get a lot of touchdowns um, last season, and I, I'm not. It's not like I'm looking at the touchdown number and I'm projecting that forward. But it's more about how they're using him. They're they're continuing to line him up in the same same side. His route tree is extremely limited, even though he can run every route. I just don't really understand what Cliff Kingsbury is doing here. Um, so when you look at the ceilings of these guys, like Metcalf, Brown, Ridley, Diggs, like it's just so hard for me to put Hopkins above them, even though you know he'll see close to the number of targets that these other guys are going to get, maybe even more than a couple of them, right? Can Hopkins get more targets than you know DK Metcalf? Sure, Ridley, yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? But at the same time, uh, I, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm ranking these other guys above him just because of the upside. Uh, next I got Keenan Allen, um, and by the way, in Arizona, like, it's possible that they have more places to throw the ball, like, they signed AJ Green to a a real contract, they, uh, you know, they just, Chase Edmonds might get an uptick in terms of passing volume, uh, receiving volume, um, you know, they just drafted Rondale Moore, they might be using him more, more near the line of scrimmage in the slot, um, Christian Kirk is still there as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where all these targets go. Will Hopkins get, you know, the, the same elite target share? Or will it go down a little bit? He deserves the elite target share, but I just don't trust Cliff Kingsbury as much as I did going into last season. Uh, okay, Keenan Allen is at number eight. Um, Keenan Allen's like, he's that dude. Ten and a half targets per game. With Justin Herbert, Devonta Adams averaged 10.6 last year, so that that tells you what you need to know right there. Devonta Adams led the league. Um, Allen also touched on uh, Joe Lombardi recently, and and that's that's their new offensive coordinator, and how he won't be limited in the types of routes he he's running and where he's lining up. Um, his target share on this offense is guaranteed, and you know what's not to like about him going into Justin Herbert's second year. Um, I'm not sure if he has the upside to be like you know, top, top, like, two wide receiver, um, but at the same time, like, I think that uh, he's somebody who is going to get his targets, he's going to be consistent, and if Justin Herbert takes the next next step forward, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if Allen's ceiling does get higher than we actually think it can be. Okay, um, Amari Cooper's at number nine. He moved up a lot for me. Um, you know, and, and I was just looking into this offense a little bit more. 
right? And if you look at when Dak was on the field last season to start the year, Amari was his favorite receiver. Um, he was averaging 12.8 targets per game in that in that short sample. Um, more than nine catches, average more than nine catches per game for 100 yards. Um, that th- those targets looked like 14 in the first game, 12, then nine, then 16 in those first four games. I mean, that's amazing right there. So I, I you know, I really like CD Lamb as well. He's only like he's at 13 for me, so he's only four spots down from here. Um, but at the same time, I do think that Amari is going to be used as more of a safety blanket than CD Lamb is. I think CD Lamb actually might be used more downfield, which is interesting because Amari plays on the outside, CD Lamb plays in the slot. He's usually the other way around. Uh, but but CD Lamb's um, A dot was actually higher than Amari's last year. Um, okay, uh, moving on to Justin Jefferson uh, at number ten. I want to point out that Matt Harmon, who charts wide receivers for a living, um, you know. And by the way, we did when we did a rookie episode um, going into the draft. Matt Harmon was on it, so definitely go check that out and and check out his his website receptionperception.com. If you're looking to see who is actually a good wide receiver in this league without having to look at numbers and all that, go to his website. He charts wide receivers. He tells you how successful they are in their routes, how successful they are against man, zone, press, all that. The more they win in those in those situations, the better. And he charts them, and he lets you know who's legit. Um, but yeah, he charts wide receivers for a living. He charted Jefferson as having one of the best rookie seasons, uh, not in terms of numbers, like which any of us can tell you, but in terms of separation and winning on routes, which is probably the most important quality any receiver can have. Uh, and he played almost exclusively outside, too. Um, so the upside and expectations for Jefferson, I think, is justified going into next year. We're not just piggybacking off the historic rookie numbers he put up. Um, I also think Adam Thielen is coming on, coming up on being over the hill a little bit. Uh, he was extremely touchdown dependent last year, the year before as well. Um, he's really good at scoring touchdowns, but like, how can he sustain that? How long can he sustain that for? Right? Uh, Jefferson, you know, it was pretty obvious that he passed him as being the number one on this offense. Um, so I'm perfectly fine taking Jefferson as a top 12 wide receiver last year, uh, going into this year. Uh, Allen Robinson's at number 11 for me. Um, you know, I think Justin Fields does uh, impact him in a positive way. Andy Dalton, you know, is an upgrade, in my opinion, over Mitch Trubisky. You know, Andy Dalton was able to, to you know, sustain A.J. AJ Green as one of the best receivers in the league during his prime. Um, and, and I don't see any reason why Andy Dalton won't be able to get it done for Allen Robinson. You know, when he was playing for the Cowboys last year, they had a lot of receivers, a lot of options. Um, but in Chicago, Allen Robinson is going to be that alpha. He's going to get his 140, 150 targets regardless. So um, I'm, I think his target share is pretty secure. We know that Matt Nagy wants to get Allen Robinson the ball, hence why Mr. Trubisky was targeting him so much. Um so I'm, I don't think that was Mr. Trubisky's uh, prerogative, only because, like, you know, Mr. Trubisky, you know, he's just not that good. So I, I don't trust his decision-making uh, abilities, uh, but I do think that they're scheming Robinson open. Um, Robinson on his own doesn't need to be schemed open because he's one of the best separators in the NFL. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at Robinson as a low-end wide receiver, one, with a ton of upside, top five upside, uh, because of how good he is. It's really about what's around him. And it, you know, with Justin Fields' accuracy and how how accurate he is, he's one of the best, most accurate quarterbacks to come into the NFL over the past few seasons. Um, I'm hoping that that can continue in the NFL, and Al Robinson, um, you know, benefits from it. 
Uh, I got Michael Thomas at number 12. I think Thomas can be a little bit higher here, uh, but there is obviously a little bit of risk with him. Um, I love his price in, in redraft. Um, you know, I, I know we spoke about this, you know, before on the podcast, but, you know, I have, you know, he's being drafted as low and wide receiver one. And, you know, he's someone you almost have to take in the third round if he's available um, because of his upside, right? Like, I might have him too low. You know, I just, I do love the upside of the players ahead of him. Right, um, regardless of whether it's Taysom Hill or whether it's Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill had a, you know, perfectly fine, uh, you know, four games with Michael Thomas this year. Michael Thomas did his thing. He averaged more yards per reception with Taysom Hill than Drew Brees. Drew Brees obviously over the hill. That's why he retired. Uh, Jameis Winston, somebody whose a dot has always been like top two, like over the past three seasons where he actually started. Not counting last year, obviously, um, but he's somebody that could definitely target Michael Thomas more downfield. So it's possible that Michael Thomas, you know, is doing a lot more than running, you know, comeback routes and slants and all that kind of stuff that he had to run with Drew Brees. Drew Brees was near the bottom of the league the past, like, several years in terms of ADOT, average up the target. Um, so, you know, if, I, if I'm in the third round, like, later in the mid-third round, these other wide receivers are gone, um, you know, I might even take Michael Thomas over Allen Robinson. You know what I mean? It really depends. Um, you know, that's really interchangeable at that point. Um I, I think Al Robinson does have that, that ceiling. Um, Michael Thomas might not be winning as much downfield. Um, so that's my only concern with him. Uh, but it's possible that his route tree does expand a little bit based on the fact that Drew Brees and his lack of arm strength is not behind center anymore. Okay, I have CeeDee Lamb as at 13. He's the first wide receiver two here. Um, Duke came out of the gate ready last year, man. Uh, he was leading this team in production. I talked about... Amari leading uh, the charge in terms of targets. Uh, but CeeDee Lamb, despite getting less targets, he actually led the team in production in terms of receiving yards, um, you know, with Dak behind center. And now he's going into his second year in this explosive passing offense in the slot too, where he's winning every time. Um, and by the way, Matt Harmon will tell you that he could win on the outside as well. Uh, but I think Lamb can be someone very consistent with Dak playing a full season. So I'm very excited about him. I won't be surprised if he ends up as like a top top six, top seven wide receiver this year. I think that dude is that good. Uh, I have Julio Jones right after CeeDee Lamb. Um, I, I do think that wherever Julio goes, he's going to command targets. Um, it, it'll be too hard for him not to be a wide receiver, wide receiver two at the very least. Um, so I have to have him as a high-end wide receiver two. And, and according to Matt Harmon's reception perception, again, he was still winning every route at a high level. Um, I do think the end is soon for Julio, but he might have another season left. Um, the hope with him is that he just stays healthy. Um, listen, the, I'm a big Deontay Johnson stan. You know, if you guys, if I don't know if you guys remember, if anybody remembers this, that you know when Johnson came in the league, you know, uh, we 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 already knew that he was one of the best route runners in the league. Uh, you know, coming in as coming in as a rookie. Um, and, you know, he was able to get stuff done with Mason Rudolph, like, which is crazy, right? Um, he was able to separate to the point where Mason Rudolph was able to find him when Ben Roethlisberger got hurt uh, in 2019. Uh, and then in 2020, he just straight up became Ben Roethlisberger's uh, favorite receiver and, and best separator, right? Um, so he was he was averaging, like, more than 10 targets a game last season. I think that was, like, top four, top three, something like that. Um, he had the fifth most targets a game per game last year. So um, he's separating. Ben's finding him. I don't see how he isn't in like the top 15, top 16, uh, you know, by the end of the year. 
despite Juju being there, despite Claypool being there, and listen, I love Claypool. I think he's going to break out in a big way at some point. He had a great rookie year, um, but Deontay Johnson, as of right now, based on Ben Roethlisberger's arm and where he's targeting short to intermediate, I I still think it's going to be Deontay Johnson. The next guy I have, I think he gets a huge upgrade in terms of quarterback. Robert Woods, I have him at 16 here, and that might be a little bit aggressive. Um, but I do think that in the Sean McVay offense, the scheme wide receiver is open. Robert Woods has never had a quarterback as good as Matt Stafford. And I think this is like kind of like Robert Woods' last hurrah here, this one year or two, where you know he's taking advantage of this quarterback and this scheme. And it's just like a good match. For these guys, so I think he gets a big upgrade. Robert Woods was able to do his thing, you know, with, uh, you know, Jared Goff, but Jared Goff obviously has his, um, you know, has his ceiling and his limitations, um, and you know, it's going to be a different situation with Matt Stafford. So uh, I'm, I'm in on Matt Robert Woods. Um, his ADP is some something that I'm taking advantage of, um, so I'll, I'll be happy to do that. And, and by the way, like uh, we're gonna. Once these ADPs really normalize, we'll start talking about you know where these guys are going. I think it's more it's easier to determine like late values and things like that because those guys might not move a ton. Um, but the, like with these wide receivers, you know, if some guys in the fourth, you might be willing to take them, and then they move into the third, and you might not be. So we kind of have to wait until these ADPs normalize just a little bit. Um, you know, but for the most part, like someone like Robert, guys like Robert Woods, guys like Deontay Johnson. Uh, guys like C.D. Lamb in the fourth, fifth round, like that's that's amazing value, right there. Um, and, I, and I've seen I've seen where I've seen drafts where it happened, mocks that it happened. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see where those ADPs get normalized. Um, I have Terry McLaurin at at seventeen. Uh, you can easily put him a little bit higher. You can put him above Robert Woods if you want. Uh, you know, a lot of these rankings might change. You know, as things come out. Um, but you know. As far as Ryan Fitzpatrick goes, like my only concern is his job security. I don't think that Taylor Heineke is going to get, you know, is going to like make Ryan Fitzpatrick's short leash, uh, you know, leash leash short. I should say. Um, I I do I think the world of McLaurin, um, if Fitz is the dude like all year long, I think McLaurin's ceiling is unlocked, and I almost feel as though where I have him right now, wide receiver seventeen, is probably his absolute floor if that's the case and his ceiling you know can be anywhere it can be top five i wouldn't be surprised if mclaurin finished as a top five wide receiver um so with fitzpatrick i think he's somebody if he's sitting he's sitting there in, you know in, in you know i'm drafting he's sitting there in like the fourth round he's someone i'm definitely considering uh okay cooper cup is at number 18 um remember Golden Tate, uh, the slot, <laughs> was Matt Stafford's favorite target for a number ye- number of years. He even had a career year while Calvin Johnson was on the team. Um, Calvin Johnson didn't miss a couple games that year, but still, like, Cup is the perfect weapon for this offense out of the slot. And Stafford raises his ceiling, and fi- possibly, finally, he'll be able to keep his floor stable once again. I remember a couple years ago, Cooper Cup was like the floor play, right, if you were playing in PPR. But he hasn't been that guy over the past couple of years. Um Obviously, I think injury played played a role. Uh, Jared Goff's his limitations. Obviously, he got traded, so that was a, a big deal. Um, but you know, and, and that was because Jared Goff was on the on the decline. But Cooper Cup, you know, he's he's somebody who can do a lot on this offense. Schemed open out of the slot with Matt Stafford, 
you know, this dude can hit 90 catches this year easily. All right, DJ Moore uh, is at 19. I, I am I am all over the place with DJ Moore, man. Um, you know, Sam Darnold, to me, he doesn't scream, like, <laughs> bounce back year for DJ Moore. Uh, it might add some big play potential, though. Like, Moore did have, like, a shit ton of air yards last year. He was near the top of the league. Uh, but him and Bridgewater just couldn't get on the same page, you know, when they when he when they were going deep. Um, that's my only con- the, like that was my only concern with Moore, um, you know, in the middle of the season last year, where like you know he was getting open deep and you know Bridgewater wasn't really looking at him. He was looking at him under. He was looking at Robbie Anderson underneath. He was looking at Curtis Samuel underneath. Mike Davis. Um, that was an issue. So it's very possible that because of Sam Darnold, that. You know, that gunslinger mentality kind of comes out a little bit, and DJ Moore, uh, you know, can, can can do some damage on some high-value targets downfield. Um, I'm betting on the talent. He's one of the most productive young wide receivers ever to hit the league, period. Um, and, and to do what he's done at his age already, remember, he's a really young guy. So, you know, he, he's, he's, he's up there. So I, I'm betting on the talent here for him and... You know, I hope that his ADP slips a little bit because if it does, I'll be shooting for the upside with DJ Moore. Um, similar thing with Brandon Ayuk. You know, a lot of people are going to point to, you know, uh, he's at 20, by the way, for me. Um, a lot of people are going to point to the fact that he only produced when uh, Debo was out, when Kittle was out, and that sort of thing. But one thing that stayed constant was that he was Kyle Shanahan's ex receiver. Uh, and they were using Debo when he was playing very close to the line of scrimmage this year. Um, his eight out was extremely low, right? His average depth of target, Ayuk was targeted downfield. You know, he was targeted like an X receiver. Um, you know, and I think that it, there's a chance that it's literally like the Kittle and Ayuk show in 2021 with Debo, you know, playing obviously a, a big role, but more from a football perspective, but not really dependable from a fantasy perspective because of how he's used and how he's not really getting high value targets. He's going to have his games, obviously, because he's, he's a good player. Um, but it'll be, uh, you know, a little bit inconsistent, especially with the fact that this is mostly, usually a run-heavy offense. Now, um, you know, if Kale gets hurt as he has before, Debo gets hurt as he has before, I think Ayuk has even more potential. Obviously, he showed it last year. Uh, but even with all these guys healthy, I do think Ayuk can still be a, a solid wide receiver too. Okay, Kenny Galladay is at 21. I moved him, did I move him down? or up? I think I moved him up a little bit, but... Um, it, it's him and Saquon as the clear target leaders for me. Uh, nothing really clear after that. You know, uh, you know, I think that Sterling Shepard will stay in the slot. Um, you know, you have uh, Darius Slayton on the outside. Um, you got They just drafted Kadarius Toney. Uh, and guys, like, listen, Kadarius Toney, he's not going to be able to win on the outside. He's not polished at all. He, he has a lot of developing to do as a receiver. Um, the only place I think he can succeed is in the backfield, jet sweeps, end arounds in the slot, that's kind of where he could win. So what are they going to do here? Are they going to move Shepard to the outside? Are they going to and then have or have them rotate? You know what I mean? They have four wide receivers playing three because they, they're usually in 11 personnel so with three wide receivers on the field. So what do they do? How are they going to play these guys? You know what I mean? Is Slayton just going to come off the field, Shepard outside, and then Tony in the slot? That's kind of how I see it. Or Tony will be a part-time player. One or the other, because if you're if you're gonna have uh, Galladay on the outside, then you have Shepard on the outside as well. 
you're losing a little bit of speed, right? You want someone like Slayton to kind of like force the defense to play a little bit over the top. I don't know. But either way, Kenny Galladay is, is, is the guy who I think is going to get the majority of the target share here. I know that it's not an ideal situation with Daniel Jones, but I do think instead of uh, the target distribution being very distributed as it was last year, I think it becomes a little bit more tightly distributed towards Galladay and towards Saquon. And, like, when I look at the next guy, Jamar Chase, it's like, oh, man, am I really going to draft a Galladay over Chase? You know what I mean? Um, but I am ranking Chase as a wide receiver, too, which might be bold. I have no idea uh, what other people are doing. But I'm also not drafting him this year based on his price. Uh, I think he's being drafted, like, around the wide receiver 23. So I have him at 22 uh, in the fifth round. So And you're like, okay, why, you know, why are you not drafting him if you have him at 22, but he's being drafted as a wide receiver 23? That, that makes perfect sense that you should draft him there. But the point is that, like, I'm, if I'm being bold with Jamar Chase, if I feel like I'm being bold with Jamar Chase here at 22, I don't want to draft him at 23. I want to draft him at 30, 33, 34. You know what I mean? I, I want to leave some room here. And with these other guys around him, I'll be able to get them at a, a better price. Like, I have Claypool after him. I have T. Higgins after him. I think I can get these guys, with, you know, on a much big, b- better deal. Like, you know... You're not getting Justin Jefferson here. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you got Justin Jefferson for free last year. There's a big difference. Like, if you want something like that, you're better off drafting Devontae Smith, who you'll be getting in the double-digit rounds, potentially. You know, you're not getting Jamar Chase in the double-digit rounds. You're getting him in the fifth. Very different. Very different. So, he's going to have to live up to those expectations. So, um, running backs, I have no problem. Like, rookie running backs, I have no problem taking early because their volume is guaranteed. And on an offense like this, it will chase just catapult himself uh, into that wide receiver one role and have a big delta in terms of targets between him and like T. Higgins and between Tyler Boyd, that's the risk that you're taking uh, if you're drafting him in the fifth round. Because uh, out of these three guys, he's being drafted first. Uh, so I got Chase Claypool at 23, right? So this is a new offense in Pittsburgh, right? You know, But Ben doesn't really have the arm to make Chase Claypool, Claypool reach his potential, I think. And I think Claypool is a stud. Uh, he reached, you know, particular benchmarks in terms of yards per route run as a rookie, which points him to having a successful career and a, and a one, you know, and one to two wide receiver one seasons. And will that happen this year? Maybe not, but it can happen soon. I'm definitely buying in Dynasty. Uh, but in terms of target share, there's a lot to go around here. It's not re- unreasonable to think that the routes... Uh, that Deontay and Juju are running are more on par with Ben's current skill set. Don't forget Najee Harris, too. Uh, but we did see the Steelers work Claypool in any way they could last year, right? Sweeps, wide receiver screens near the goal line. Um, he got a couple carries, got a couple touchdowns. Um, you know what I mean? Um, so there are ways to get him involved that doesn't involve, you know, downfield, contested catch, even though that's something that Claypool could definitely do. Um, so I have I have T Higgins two spots below Jamar Chase at twenty four. Um, I had him as a mid to low wide receiver two going into the season before they drafted Jamar Chase. Um, I, I didn't know how far to draft him, but I do feel like T Higgins is going to be on that wide receiver two wide receiver three borderline. Um, so you know when Joe Burrow was on the field last year before he got hurt, the Bengals had the most had the most or second most passing volume on a per game basis in the NFL. So, you know, and when you look at Higgins and, and his uh, opportunity share, uh, he's in rare company. Um, about four, only four, about four or five wide receivers had a higher market share than him 
uh, at his age at at 21. So you know he he is he's an interesting prospect right now. Like going into his second year, you know all the eyes are on Jamar Chase, but I'm not forgetting about T Higgins. And you're going to be able to get T Higgins lower than the wide receiver 24, where I have him. Um, my guess is that you'll be able to draft him as a wide receiver 30, uh, and be pretty happy with that price. Uh, I have Tyler Lockett at 25. Hopefully, this offense is a little bit more consistent. Um, now that I'm at the wide receiver three range, I'm going to kind of be skipping around a little bit, talking about some values and things like that. Uh, I got Mike Evans at 26. Um, listen, Mike Evans gets it done every year, and that, this might be low for a lot of people, um, but this offense is going to have the ball distributed so much between him, Godwin, A.B., and Gronk that it's going to be tough to expect any sort of consistency. Um, you're going to have to depend on those touchdowns with him. Uh, now, Brady did have a much better second half of the season, like overall, so it's possible um, Evans becomes a beneficiary of Brady in his second year um, You know, of a relatively complicated Bruce Arians offense. Um, I have Chris Godwin right under him. I think Chris Godwin, you know, PPR sort of thing. He's running out of the slot. Um, but is he somebody that is going to be peppered with targets? Probably not. You still have AB there as well. Um, you know, these guys were running like the short to intermediate routes while Mike, Mike Evans was doing a lot of uh, down the field work, um, a lot of obviously, you know, red zone, end zone type of work. Uh, but Evans is no doubt the most valuable wide receiver uh, in this offense. Uh, I have Will Fuller right under these guys at 28. Um, I just, I don't know what the distribution in terms of targets is going to look like here. You have Fuller, you have Devontae Parker, you have Jalen Waddell, uh, and then you consider Fuller's injury history and unproven Tua Tagovailoa. It's tough to rank him too high, honestly. You know, with Deshaun Watson, it's like, okay, cool, you have an elite quarterback throwing him the ball, so sure. You know what I mean? That was a match made in heaven, right? Um, but now, like, we just don't know what this offense is going to look like. We don't know what the target split is going to look like, so... I just can't rank him above a wide receiver three right now. I really can't. I have Adam Thielen at 29. Uh, I have Tyler Boyd at 30. Um, Cole Beasley, you know, is an, is an, is an interesting one. I have him at 31. Um, he already finished as a wide receiver two last year. And you, you can get him late. You can get him, like, super late. Um, and no John Brown. John Brown was getting some targets last year. A couple of those targets are going to go Cole Beasley's way. So, he might be safer than you guys think, and you don't have to pay any money for him or any draft capital for him. I got Robbie Anderson at 32. Really don't know what this offense is going to look like in terms of target distributions. I know that Sam Darnold is, you know, and Robbie, you know, had somewhat of a rapport in New York, but I don't see it as a situation where, like, you know, Darnold's going to go out of his way to target Robbie. The way they were using Robbie last year in this offense was like a short to intermediate type of guy running kind of as a possession receiver, to be honest. Um, but he got that speed. So hopefully they take advantage of his skills and use him downfield where he's best suited. Uh, Jerry Judy. Um, and by the way, for Robbie Anderson, I think he's best suited to do everything. You know, run, run some shorts, run some intermediate, but also deep. The way that Adam Gase was using him was that he was only running him deep. That's what they were doing with Denzel Mims too last year, for whatever reason. And Mims is somebody that I'm looking at late as well in drafts. I'm buying him in Dynasty as well. Um, especially with the new quarterback situation over there. And the new offensive situation over there. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Jerry Judy is somebody, obviously he had a lot of drops, but for fantasy football purposes, we don't care. We just don't care. It's not important. 
A lot of great receivers. Randy Moss had terrible drops. Number one in drops before. Randy Moss, okay? Jerry Judy is going to be fine. The point is, Jerry Judy, is, Jerry Judy has the ability to become an elite separator in the NFL. He's already up there. He's already one of the best route runners in the league. He's separating on the outside. He's going to do fine. If Teddy Bridgewater takes over for Drew Locke, I'm all in on Jerry Judy. Because that's what Teddy Bridgewater has, how he plays. He wants a separator. And when these guys separate, he's going to find you. You know what I mean? He did, he did it with Michael Thomas. He did it with Robbie Anderson. This guy is going to be really good. If it's Drew Locke, it's Cortland Sutton. When it's Teddy Bridgewater, it's Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy has the ability to be a wide receiver one at some point. Can it be as early as this year? I don't know about all that. But the possibility is there for, for him to like really exceed where he's being drafted right now. Okay, I got Juju at 34. A very short A dot. Not a ton of upside. I don't even think he has a high floor like that. He has a floor, but it's just not high enough for me. The target competition is real. Deontay deserves more targets than him. Claypool deserves more targets than him. Najee's going to get more targets. Not more targets than him, but he's going to get a ton of targets. So I'm not overly bullish on Juju this year. But I still think he ends up as like a low-end wide receiver three. Um, Devontae Smith, I think, you know, for his price, he has a lot of upside in redraft. You know, he seems like the clear wide receiver one, you know, on this offense. Jalen Rager is going to be in the slot, you know, according to Eagles beat reporters. So um, I'm in on Devontae Smith late in drafts. Take a shot on him. He's one of the guy, one of these guys who can just separate. I know, you know, obviously, you know, the BMI is an issue. Um, him, you know, absolutely killing it, but doing it as a senior late breakout is an issue in terms of like, you know, what you ideally want going into the NFL. But if Devontae Smith can continue to separate and run routes the way he does and the way he did in college, then he's going to do some good things. And if he's the wide receiver one and he's the guy who's going to get the majority of targets here, because who's going to get it? You know, if they move Zach Ertz, it's going to be him and Dallas Goddard. Pretty much, right? Jalen Rager in the slot. Hopefully he can be, he can do some better thing. He, he could be better in the slot. I think that's, that's the goal for Jalen Rager, just boosting up his confidence a little bit. Um, I have DJ Chark at 36. Um, you know, the question with him is, like, do I, do I draft Chark in, like, the 6th or 7th round or Marvin Jones in, like, the 10th or 11th round? That's the question, right? Because, listen, if Marvin Jones was taking targets away from Kenny Galladay, what is he going to do for DJ Chark? That's the question. DJ Chark, obviously younger. Marvin Jones is more of a track record. Okay? So, that that's a question. I might not be going for DJ Chark. Uh, but the upside is there. New quarterback, Urban Meyer, all that, great. But mm, I'm kind of leaning towards Marvin Jones in this situation or just somebody else in the 6th and 7th round. I got Odell at 37. Coming back from the ACL, but he serves a, a very important role in this offense uh, as that X receiver. Uh, Brandon Cooks. Uh, I'm assuming Deshaun Watson is not on the Texans this year. Uh, I have no idea how it's going to play out. But it, it, it's pretty clear that Brandon Cooks is their wide receiver one, right? I can't imagine targets not being funneled in any other direction. Like, if it's Tyrod Taylor, it's probably going to be, you know, Brandon Cooks. You know, he's not going to be running deep every play, right? Like he's used to. But he's going to have a variety of routes like he, like he did last year. Um, him and David Johnson, pretty much, right? Um, not a sexy pick, but if you can get him in like the ninth round or so, if Watson isn't his QB, eh, that's not bad. You, you, you know... It's not, it's not a bad pick right there. If Watson is his QB, 
there's still a chance he might be underrated because he absolutely killed it, uh, you know, later in the year last year with Watson. All right, I have Debo Samuel at 38. I have Corey Davis right at. No, I'm sorry, I have Debo Samuel at 39. Corey Davis right after him. Um, I think Corey Davis is going to end up being the number one wide receiver in 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 New York this year. Um, it's going to be him and Denzel Mims on the outside, Jameson Crowder in the slot. Um, if they do end up cutting Jameson Crowder because of his cap number, I think there's going to save like eight to ten million or something like that this year. Um, they were just throwing Elijah Moore, and all these guys become interesting. Elijah Moore becomes very interesting too because he's one of the best route runners in in the in the in the draft coming in. Um, he can win on the outside as well, but he's going to be playing in the slot, and he can destroy, basically. Um, it's very possible. So we'll see how that works out. But regardless, uh, Corey Davis is somebody I'm looking at D, that late. I'm looking at I'm looking at all these Jets wide receivers late, man, because one of these guys are going to pop. Um, Jameson Crowder, too. You know, I, I have him right under Corey Davis, but I wouldn't expect Crowder to just soak up targets. You know what I mean? Um, just because of the fact that they have these other guys. There as well, and and they might be and they might end up using Chris Herndon too, just because of the scheme change. Uh, I have Amon Ross St. Brown at forty two. Um, you know, a lot of targets available in the Detroit offense. Um, you know, I I'm not sure if he can crack the top thirty six at the position as a rookie, um, but he ha- he's in the best situation in terms of opportunity. One of the best situations as a rookie, I think. Devontae Smith is in a great position. Jamar Chase is in a great position, but in terms of like. You know, where, where the hell are you going to throw the ball if it's not me? I'm a Russ St. Brown. Not as bullish in Dynasty. Because I do think Detroit is going to end up addressing that position. You know what I mean? Or possessing, you know, addressing the fact that they have no pass catchers. Besides Hawkinson, besides DeAndre Swift, besides Jamal Williams. I'm a Ross St. Brown is the only wide receiver at this point. They have Tyrell Williams. Sure. You know, <clears throat> they have, you know, hand, uh, a couple guys, you know, who might be able to do something. Right, uh, Prashad Perriman, but nothing crazy. Right, Cortland Sutton, uh, he should be way higher. I don't know why I have him all the way down here. Uh, I'll move him up a little bit. Let's move him up to ahead of Odell Beckham. Let's move him, at, move him to 37. Um, if I, I do think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to win that job, but if it ends up being Drew Locke, I'm going to move him up above Jerry Judy. <clears throat> Uh, Jerry Judy's at 33. I might move him above, like, Cole Beasley, Tyler Boyd. He might be, like, a mid-wide receiver three uh, once I'm done moving him. All right, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Um, Amari Rogers. I'm going to skip around just the guys that, you know, you might want to look at a little bit late. Um, I feel like we should be more interested in Amari Rogers if, if uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers stays in town. All Green Bay has is Devonte, and they can use another wide receiver. Amari Rodgers is going to play in the slot. Right, so we don't have to worry whether he can separate on the outside. I feel like he's worth taking a shot on late. I haven't seen much buzz about him, um, but maybe that's because of the unknown with the Aaron Rodgers situation. But he's someone I'm definitely keeping an eye on. I'm keeping an eye on a Hollywood Brown. Um, not only can he be a value this year, uh, better value this year, but he's also more intriguing because of the fact that they got Rashad Bateman, right? And he's he's going to take away some defensive pressure from Marquise Brown. So. Lamar potentially hitting those deep shots more often. Uh, we saw him have a pretty good second half of the season when Lamar turned it on. So he's somebody I'm looking at as well. Um, 
Let's see, uh, Terrace Marshall, somebody that we should look at. You know, let's see how Sam Darnold operates in this offense. Uh, Rondell Moore, uh, he's interesting as well uh, because it's like, where does he fit in? I'm guessing he they're going to play a lot of four wide, and then Rondell Moore is one of their slot receivers. Um, AJ Brand, AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, Christian Kirk, and um, Rondell Moore as his two slot receivers. That's that's my guess of how they're going to they're going to work it. Um, yeah, so, you know, those are the guys, like, I'm looking at right now. Um, you know, I'm interested in, in Paris Campbell late uh, as the as Indianapolis' number one slot receiver um, because of Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, uh, you know, favoring the slot. Um, Nicole Hardman, it's possible that he takes a step forward. Um, I'm interested in Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney because of the fact that they got Justin Fields. Um like I mentioned, uh, Denzel Mims. Traquan Smith is somebody who's intriguing only because of the fact that with Drew Brees gone, we can see a lot more deep shots, especially if Jameis Winston's behind center. Um, let's see. I'm just looking down the list here. Um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to have um, an episode where we go over all of our sleeper running back, sleeper wide receivers, obviously a late round tight end uh, addition as well. Um, so we'll go over all of that, but I just want to kind of give an idea of what my overall, you know, like top 40, top, top 45 or so looked, um, you know, going, you know, after, once the draft was over, I wanted to give an update on that and, and, you know, kind of my overall thoughts on these wide receivers. Um, but yeah, I think that'll do it. I really, 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 really appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, uh, for tuning in. If you tune in every week, I can't thank you enough, um, you know, if this is your first time listening, I really appreciate you getting through it <laughs> uh, as a solo podcast. Usually, Joe uh, joins me every week. I'm letting the man enjoy his vacation uh, this week. Uh, but thank you guys so much. If you can rate and review the podcast, that would mean the world. Hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. UpperHandFantasy.com is the website. Um, and yeah, if you're not subscribed already, please do to the podcast and follow me over on Instagram. Um, but until next time, guys, uh, we've been doing every Friday. We're going to continue to do that and start coming out with uh, a couple episodes a week as well. Uh, so thank you guys so much. We appreciate you guys. Take it easy. See ya.